Ksuvos, Perik Beis, Mishnah Gimel 2-3. The Mishnah continues on the topic of Hapesha Asr, Hu Hapesha Hitir, as you saw in the previous Mishnah, Mishnayos. And this Mishnah really is about Kiyum Shtaros, the certification of contracts. It has nothing to do directly with Ksuva or Ksuvos at all, although, of course, the Ksuva is indeed a contract between the husband and wife, um, and therefore it'll indirectly impinge upon the Ksuva. The basic way a contract is structured in Jewish law, um, if let's say you're talking about, let's say, a promissory note, you know, B borrows money from A, or some contract that confirms a transaction, or other cheschaivos, another undertaking. So at the bottom of the contract, there will be two witnesses who sign that the event in question and the conditions as described in the contract really happened. So that would mean, let's say, for example, we have A and B, a lends money to B, uh, the contract will say, you know, B has to pay back next Tuesday, the $100 he borrowed, and the witnesses at the will sign at the bottom. Now, those signatures at the bottom are the confirmation that the loan took place. If comes Tuesday and B doesn't pay back A, so then A drags him to the court, the Besden, and he says, you owe me $100. So B, of course, can say, no, I don't, in which case A will whip out his contract as proof that B, in fact, does. And although the contract is just a piece of paper, since at the bottom of the contract there are two signatures, those signatures act as corroboration that the loan, in fact, took place and that B does owe A money. Now, B would have to pay, but of course he can turn around and say the contract is a forgery, it's mezuyaf. Midor we would not actually accept such a claim. It's certainly easy for any person to say it's not true. The contract is a, 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 a forgery, a fake. And that being the case, um, the court would have no reason to listen to that claim. There's a strong evidence that a loan did happen because you have a contract with two signatures. But midrabanan, we accept the claim of the defendant that uh, the contract in question is a forgery um, to the point that we require some certification of the signatures, and therefore the contract, that it, it's indeed a true contract. That certification is called the kium of the star. Now, there are three basic ways in which the courts can be mekayem to certify the signatures at the bottom of the contract. Number one is they could bring the signatories themselves in, and those signatories could say, yes, those are our signatures. Um, that, of course, would confirm the signatures, um, and in such a case, the court then would certify the contract. In fact, they would actually put a stamp at the bottom um, that they need certify it, after which point the contract doesn't need further certification. It's like a, already got the power of like any other testimony of two witnesses already. It's a certified contract, which could be, um, you know, enforced in any bezin. The second possibility, if, let's say, for example, the signatories aren't available, is that the court could have other witnesses come in in support of the plaintiff who will testify that the signatures are indeed legitimate signatures. In other words, the witnesses will come in and they'll say, I recognize that signature. It's John Hancock. It says John Hancock. I recognize John Hancock's signature anywhere. Um, and therefore, by testifying that it indeed is John Hancock's signature, even if John Hancock maybe is dead, it doesn't matter. The point is we've um, confirmed the signature is real. And therefore, on the basis of that, if the court gets both signatures confirmed, it will consider it proof positive. 
um, that the contract is legitimate. It will certify the contract, and again, that will be enforceable in any court. The third way that the court could certify a contract is by comparing the signatures to another certified contract. In other words, let's say John Hancock is dead, and there are no witnesses who we can bring who would be able to testify that is how John Hancock's signature really looks. But we have another contract. We whip out that constitution, and we say this constitution, you know, has been um, certified as being legitimate, and we see here is a contract that has certified signature of John Hancock. It matches the John Hancock signature of this IOU promissory note that's, you know, A and B are arguing over. And therefore, we will confirm its legitimate signature and base, on the basis of that, certify the contract, assume we can get both signatures to be confirmed and therefore we'll certify the whole contract based on that. So those are the three possibilities. Now, our mission is going to be a case of which means we're going to have the witnesses come in. They're going to say, yes, that is our signature. Those are our signatures. And therefore, you know, that would be corroborating that the certification of the contract is is to be done, and therefore the contract should be enforced. However, since it's a Pesha Asr Hu Pesha Hitter case, the witnesses are saying, yes, those are our signatures. But since the only way you were able to certify this con- this contract is because of us affirming those signatures, meaning without these um, witnesses coming in, to the signatories coming in to confirm it's their signatures, the court would not enforce the contract because they have no evidence. In such a scenario, if those signatories say, those are our signatures, but for some other reason, you should not enforce the contract. You shouldn't take the signatures so seriously. So then they'll be in the situation of a Pesha Asr or a Pesha Hitter. Since they're the only ones who are giving any information that's useful to certifying the contract, and they're telling you, don't believe what you see, they have they own the whole story, and therefore they're a Pesha Asr or a Pesha Hitter. If we'd have some other corroborating information regarding the signatures. In other words, we could compare this this signature to some other document elsewhere and be on the basis of that certify the signatures as being real signatures. So then the signatories would not be in that privileged position of a Pesha Asr Hu Pesha Hitter. And even if they would somehow repudiate their signatures or having signed it or say, you know, don't believe what you see, we would not believe them. We would enforce what we see on the contract and indeed the contract would be good and we'd force B to pay to A. So that's what our Mishnah says. Now the Mishnah says inside. Ha'edim she'amru, these signatories come in, and they say, Ksav yadenu huzeh, they say, yes, it's true, that those are our signatures, and they're acting as edim, as witnesses, with respect to their own signatures, and they are confirming the signatures are legitimate. Aval, they say, however, and they give three reasons why, three different cases, um, which would be three different reasons why, they're saying it may be our signature, but it shouldn't be binding on a contract to force B to pay back A. The first thing they say is, Anusim Hayinu. We signed that contract, yes, but we signed it under duress. You know, uh, Mr. A put a gun to our heads and he said, if you don't sign this contract that B owes me a hundred bucks, I'm going to blow your brains out. So what do the witnesses do? They said, fine, give us a pen, we're happy to sign. So now the witnesses are coming and saying, yes, it's true, it's our signature, but we have, in fact, we cannot confirm that the loan ever happened. We just signed it because we didn't want to get our brains blown out. So that, we're going to say in a minute, they're believed. The mission will say they're believed. Um, says the mission, they're believed because they're Hapesha Aser and Hapesha Itzer. The only information we have is from them regarding the signatures. Again, 
Without these witnesses, these signatories coming in, the court would have no other way whatsoever to, in this particular scenario, it has no other way to certify the signatures on the contract, and therefore the court would not enforce the contract. The court would accept the claim of the defendant who says it's a muzuyaf, a forgery of a contract, and therefore they'd say a moment, um, they would say uh, they would say that, listen, the Meanwhile, the money is in the pocket of the of the Mr. B, and we're not pulling out a mistake because we're just not sure what to do because we haven't got any any evidence to confirm who's right. Is it Mazuyaf? Is it a forgery? Is it not? Come with the witnesses and say, it's not a forgery, but believe us when we tell you it's not a forgery because believe us also to tell, tell you that it is um, was signed under duress. And therefore, it says the mission, they'll be believed, and the contract won't be enforced. Now, there's an important um just a side point, like a, a, a caveat, but it's a really important one. The claim of these signatories for the duress, Anusim Hainu, has to be they're saying there was a gun to our head, that we were afraid for our lives. Because if they, if they wouldn't be afraid for their lives, let's say the threat was that if you don't sign this, you know, on the contract here, I'm going to ruin you financially, or I'm going to pay you a million dollars. And they say, listen, we were induced to sign here because... We didn't want to be ruined financially, or we wanted to make a million dollars. Then the courts would not believe them; they would not accept that uh, that that there was a sign under duress. And the reason why is because the Torah requires, actually, one of the Sarah's the, the Ten Commandments, that a person always um, give true testimony regarding his his fellow. Um, the pasuk says, "Lo sheker." Right? One of the Sarah's Dibros at the end there. Don't um, give false. Um, testimony against your neighbor, your fellow Jew. And to sign false in a contract would, would certainly be a violation of that. Now, a person, therefore, is obligated to lose all of his money, and all the more so, of course, not for any financial gain, and he would a person's forbidden to sign such a contract. So if he would do so, he would be, um, in fact, a Russia, um, a person who's got the halakhic status of a Russia, like a wicked person, um, is actually not acceptable. He's pasul edus, midoraisna. He can't give testimony in court. Um, and therefore, we would say, no, we're not accepting that. Now, if a person says, I signed under duress because I was afraid for my life, so then we do believe him because the Torah says, listen, you don't have to lose your life um, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of losan b'reacha eid sheker. So that being the case, we would believe them that they didn't, they weren't, they aren't Rishayim, um, and they signed because they didn't want to die. But if they're saying we are Rishayim, effectively, we're wicked because we signed um, for, you know, some financial gain or to avoid financial loss, we would not believe them. Because the general principle is, when it comes to testimony, that a person can't um, impute himself to be considered a Russia. Ein adam meisim atzmo Russia. A person um, isn't believed to testify against himself. And, um, the technical reason why is because we don't accept testimony from Krovim, from relatives, and a person is like a Karov to himself, he's his own relative, so we won't accept anything that would impugn him to make him be a Russia. So again, so if the claim that these witnesses were saying was, we were we signed it, but it's it's a it's a fraud, because we just that he paid us a hundred bucks or a million bucks to sign, the court would not accept that. And they would, they would enforce the contract, they wouldn't believe these um, witnesses whose testimony implies that they are Rishayim. But if their claim is we signed under duress because of fear for our life, the court would believe it, and therefore um, 
if they're in the privileged position of a Pesha Asr or a Pesha Itzer, they would believe it's yes, a signature, but it's signed under duress, and therefore would not to be enforced because it's a forgery. The second case of the Mishnah is their claim is Katanim Hainu. They say, yes, it is our signature, but we signed it when we were 12. And since we were 12 at the time, you shouldn't enforce the contract because a 12-year-old can't um, act as a signatory to enforce a contract. And again, if they're in the privileged position of a Pesha Asr, then we would accept their testimony and indeed um, not enforce the contract. The third thing they could say is psule edus hainu. They could say, yes, that's our signature, but at the time we weren't legitimate signatories because, um, for example, uh, we were relatives of either of the two parties to the contract. Let's say, for example, they said, you know, my, he says, my ex-wife, my ex-wife was, uh, you know, the, the defendant's brother. Uh, sister, I should say, defendant's sister. So that being the case, um, the signatory is not a legitimate signatory, so even though he's saying, yes, my signature, but the signature should not be binding. It'd have to be, by the way, when he's saying they're saying they're psuli edus, that they were invalid to act as um, witnesses, it would have to be that they're talking about some kind of um, uh, relative issue, the issue that they're invalid because of the, of the relationship they have to the to the uh, one of the two counterparties. Uh, as opposed to saying, let's say, he says I'm a thief. If he says I'm a thief, again, he wouldn't be believed because, again, the principle that we said before, that ain't other mesim atzmo rasha, a person isn't believed to put himself in the category of being a rasha. Okay. In all three of those cases, since they are the only source of information, without them we wouldn't make them pay anyways, so we don't make them pay now. And therefore, hare elu ne'amadam, they're believed. However, says the Mishnah, if we don't need these signatories, to certify the signatures, and therefore they're not in a position of hapesha asr hapesha hitter. Because remember, we have three ways to certify the signatures. Number one, from the witnesses themselves. That's part A, and that we said could be a problem. But what about there's, there's a part B, a possibility B. Possibility B is that we could um, we could uh, certify the signatures with other witnesses. So indeed, if we have the witnesses who say, yes, I recognize John Hancock's signature over there, so it doesn't matter if John Hancock is jumping up and down saying, yeah, but I signed under duress. We don't care. It's a signature. We know nothing more. We don't want to know anything more. He is in the position of a Pesha Asr, a Pesha Itter, so we have a contract. It's signed. We, he is not, John Hancock is not in any privileged position. We, with, without him, in other words, the essential point is, without John Hancock showing up, we would still enforce the contract because we have the other witness who says, yes, that is John Hancock's signature. I mean, two, two of those, of course, for, for both signatures. But if we have that, so then we don't need John Hancock and his friend. So therefore, John Hancock coming and saying something else, contrary, doesn't change things. Or the third possibility we said is we could confirm the signatures and certify the document based on comparing the signatures in this questionable document to a previously certified document. So indeed, if we have such a contract, as the Mishnah says, not... Case two was Yesh Adam Shuk Sav Yadam. We had the witnesses that confirmed it was John Hancock's signature. But the third possibility is Oshayak Sav Yadam Yotzemakomacher. We have a separate sample of their signatures, and that sample is coming from a certified copy, so no the signatures are legitimate here. And therefore we'd enforce this contract even if John Hancock and his buddy didn't show up. So therefore they're not in a position of a Pesha Asrahu Pesha Hitter, and therefore they're not believed, and we've enforced the contract, even though the signatories are standing in front of us, saying us, saying to us that the contract shouldn't be enforced because we were we signed under duress. We don't accept that. Instead, we take the contract on face value, 
as a signed contract with certified signatures and therefore forced Mr. B to pay back Mr. A.